Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Kuhnley. Today's guest is Eugene Robinson. He played in the National Football League for 16 seasons and has a Super Bowl ring. He now lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was the color analyst for the Panthers for many years and now hosts the Charlotte Today Show. And he's also a football and wrestling coach and a motivational speaker. Hang out with us and you'll understand why. He shares his stories about being a child of an alcoholic, about forgiveness, and about resiliency. Thanks for joining us. You know, I, I kind of growing up, my, my, my dad was end up doing a lot of drinking. He, he drank a lot mm. and became alcoholic. And I thought that there were some issues that were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes on. But when you're a kid and you're, and you're exposed to that and you see that, it's devastating on you. It yes. really, it really stays with you. There was a, when I think of mental health, I could just remember not liking my dad and wanting to, me and my brother to, to jump him. Mm-hmm. We were too young, but 13 yeah. to 14 years old. No right. way we're going to be the man, but. But feeling unsafe and wishing you could but, do something about yeah, it. Yeah, and wishing I could do something. and wishing sometimes I could protect my mom. Sure. Uh, just from, from the abuse at times when he would get drunk. And yep. so I kept, because I think of mental health, I had a major grudge, and I, I really, I really was didn't like my dad at a, at a point. It wasn't until I became a Christian back in June tenth, nineteen eighty four, that I went to my dad and said to him, "Hey, Jesus forgave me for a whole bunch of stuff that I can never repay mm-hmm. anybody for." I said, "I want to forgive you for what I thought was what you've done to my brothers and sisters and I." Wow. And he said to me at that time. I was hoping that one of my kids would extend the olive branch out so that I could connect and renew with them. Wow. Because obviously I messed up. And that was only because of what Christ had did inside of me of just kind of changing how I thought. Because I tell you what, I, when, I, when I was like, I didn't like him and I was extremely successful now, yeah. I didn't like him. Oh, and, yeah. and, and so when I think of mental health, I, I immediately go to my dad. I, I think about how... Um, Alcoholism impaired his judgment, and because of that, our kids, my brothers and I, sisters, we suffered because he couldn't get his act together. That's right. And it shapes you, doesn't it? Yeah, it shapes you big time. I mean, you become a product of, of, of what you see. The reason why I don't drink to this day is because I've seen what it did to my dad. Mm. And so I said, and I, I remember telling my wife, I said, I will never, ever marry somebody who drinks. Never, ever. Wow. I said, because for me as a kid, that was terrible. It was and devastating. So I don't, yeah, I don't knock people who drink at all because I'm around people who drink yeah. and uh, being be in the industry. However, that was never something that would attract or lure me to go ahead and do because I'm like, I saw what it did and the effect it had on my dad. And I didn't want to repeat that. Right. That's strong. So it just makes you think about like how much you carry that inner child. You know, like your younger self, no matter how old you are. <laughs> yes. Where things bring that right back. So that's real. And that's such a pivotal moment, though, that forgiveness. Forgiveness is so hard for people sometimes. And like you're saying, your faith is what got you there. Yes. 
Yeah. My faith got me. My faith got me there, and I could just, I could, I remember, I can remember so vividly standing with him and just, you know, looking him in the eye and saying, "Hey, Dad, I, I need to ask your forgiveness." Now, you would think that the infractions he did and perpetrated on my brothers and sisters, I doubt you would be asking me for forgiveness, but wow. I had, I had something against him. And if I didn't get off my chest, it was, gonna, right. it was gonna be, it was gonna eat me alive. And well, so that's I, what they say. That's what they say about forgiveness. It's, it's so much about you. <laughs> yes. Not the and other so person. I, so I did. And, and that was one of the best things I ever did. And because of that, it really healed not only my relationship with my, my dad, but my children had a relationship with their grandfather. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So as you got more successful too, I mean, I know that all of your relationships um, probably shifted, I guess. So I just wonder how somebody who's so young too also handles that. Yeah. I, I don't think I like, I'm just like any, anybody else. You hurt <laughs> and you cry. You, sure. know? you, you, you cry. Like yes. I, the disappointments of, okay, I'm waiting to go to prom, but my dad doesn't show up because he's, he's unreliable. Yes. I, I'm going to use your car, but you're nowhere there for me to use your car. Yes. Well, my brothers and sisters are going to rely on you, and you're not there. Now, I give him a pass now because I'm like, y you don't realize how much alcoholism, alcoholism is a disease. Disease, How yeah. much it really, it, it really impairs what you do in your judgment of, I don't care if it's drugs, alcohol, it's just going to change you. And so I give him a pass now because I'm older and much, much more forgiving and much, much more, and I want to have more harmony and have a relationship. But back then, sure, I was hardened. I was, I was hurt. Yeah, I was a yeah. kid that was hurt. Yeah, didn't want, didn't want people to come over my house. Why? Because if you come shame. over my house, you see my dad drunk. I don't shame. want you to see that. Yeah, shame. Yep. Right. So, and then you. I, I, so I appreciate that though, because it's like you're human. And then, so no matter what kind of success you might have, you've also experienced some significant hardship. Absolutely. So that humbles you. That humbles you. <laughs> Yeah, and here it is. I have a passion for anybody who is going through something very, very tough. I am much, much more latitude, grace, giving. Because I, I realize that there's so many things that militate against you, so many things that you've got to fight and you fight your own demons. It's not, it's not easy to do. And yes. you've got to have help to do it. So anybody's dealing with mental health at all, I'm like, look, this ain't no joke right here. Mm -hmm. It's easy for you to go ahead and pile on and get on social media and degrade it, but I will never do that at all. Yeah. Why? Because I know that that is devastating and it's something that people have to work through and work through and, and have to do that really hard work to get done with a counselor yeah. like such as you to go ahead to, to move from being where well, people don't trust you, don't respect you to someone where you respect yourself enough to go ahead and stop. Yes, and set the boundary. Yeah. So is this, the, I mean, would you talk about this? If I can ask this, would you talk about this kind of stuff like with teammates, with peers? I I think I've done more like, and it become a little bit more cathartic for me when I was, I used to do a lot of um, speaking in front of kids, church groups, uh -huh. high schools, and invariably that would come up and it would come up because some kid was facing that. Mm. And, and I would go ahead and I was really transparent. This, here it is. I'm like really an open book. My shame <laughs> is my shame, but I wear it. I'm like, look, you learn from it. Yes. Juliet, I don't care. Juliet, look, you learn from what you've done and what, how life and, and what life, what life does to you. 
whether that's on your own accord, whether that's self-inflicted wounds, or whether that's something that comes within or without that comes upon you. You just learn about that, and you're like, okay, you deal with it. But I own it. I'm like, okay, you got to own this. You sure. got to own it because if I own it, I can do something about it, and I can go ahead and make make it better. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easier, and I'm not worried about what you think or what somebody else says because Eugene Robinson has to live this life. I still got to be a dad. I'm still a coach. I still do broadcast. I still do all those things. I'm still a husband. I still do all those things that I got to go in and function and be, uh, and, and, and be there for my family and be That's there for it. myself. So I don't worry that my alcoholism, the things that have happened to me in my life, I, I wear it. I own it. And yeah. I, don't, I don't run away from it. I'm like, okay, this is part of who I am. I own it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, Brene Brown says the antidote to shame is to, to speak it and, you know, to put it out there and versus just carrying it. And so, yeah, I think when you, when you do own it and then, and, and share it with others, it decreases some of that like ickiness that can sit inside of you. <laughs> yes. And I, yeah. And I, I'm just, a I got a mom who's forgiving, compassionate. I got, uh, and I've seen what my mom was able to endure mm -hmm. and literally, I kid you not, endure mm. and love my mom for being so sacrificial mm. for kids and trying to manage, try, well, trying yeah. to make things right. And, and I mean, my mom deserves a, a cape. Yes. She deserves a cape. You have two kids, right? Yeah, my daughter is 33 and my son is 31. Okay. Do they live locally or? I my remember. son and his wife live in California and my daughter just moved back in with me because of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, and I told my, I told my baby, I said, look, Britt, this is a place for you to reset. I said, you have a comfortable place to land. I love and that. I don't, I don't plan for you to stay here. But this is a place for reset. I said the entire country is going through these growing pains that are devastating. We don't even know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. We know that 500,000 people plus have died. I said, so what does that look like in your own life and how you would handle that being laid off? I said, you have a place that you can call home Beautiful. and you have a place to go ahead and land. And there's no shame in that at all. This That's is pull right. yourself back up and get back out there when things change. Let's see what we can go ahead and do because I don't, I don't expect you to be here forever. I, I expect you to do your thing. But this is part of, the, of being a parent. And as a parent, as a dad, I'm loving it. I know. I'm loving I am absolutely loving because I don't, before then, I didn't get a chance to spend time with her. Yeah, now you, I you never know when you would have had this time with her. No, like I would never have this time. This is, yeah. as a parent, this has been absolutely, if there's anything that's good about COVID, it's brought families closer together. And I got a chance to be with my baby, Brittany. And oh. I know she's 33, but I just, Oh. She's, she's just my daughter and I just absolutely love her to death. Right. That's beautiful. Well, and I, I, so you talk about this trajectory of you getting more open too. I think that's a gift for your kids also, you know, to watch their parents. And I think about this all the time. My kids are little, little, you know, like the things that we model for them or, you know, good and bad and ugly and all of it. <laughs> yes. And like I, to your, go ahead. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Cause my son sent me a message. Um, he said, this, he, he put this on a social media set. Dad, I am so glad that you are my dad. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. And then as he started to, like, recount some of the things that we did, like I was at every game. 
I was there when you were sick. I was there at everything that my kids did. I was there. Even though I played professional football for 16 years, mm-hmm. I was never an absentee dad. I was there because I said, and this is going back to my childhood, the disappointments that I felt because of my dad, I said, I will never, mm. ever, 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 ever do that to my children who think that their dad does not have their back or is not well. showing up. On when, they, when something may be trivial as they bring in Easter eggs to school or yes. you know, says a Valentine's, that's a big deal. Yes. That's a huge deal. Well, guess <laughs> what? Daddy will be there and Mommy's going to be there. I yes. can't double dog to you. And so we've always made that a point that I'm going to be there because I, I don't want you to think that I'm absent. And so when my son sent me that message that oh. I'm so glad that you're my dad. That's better just, than a Super Bowl ring. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just shivers through my body. I was like, man. Yeah. So I'm doing something right. I'm mm. like, okay, well, good. I'm doing, I don't do everything right, but I'm doing something right. That's so, and to have like, you know, it, it, him do it publicly too. I mean, I know that's kind of silly, but it's also like, okay, yes. Yeah, he's, 30, <laughs> he's 31, he's 31 years old. He has his wife, but it just, those are some of the little nuggets that your kids, mm. they, they rain down on you and they don't even know they rain down on you. And it becomes, it becomes, a, a breath of fresh air becomes something that you just bask in and, and yeah. becomes warm and, and it just re, it just reminds you that and I know it's not just me it's my wife also oh yeah but it just reminds you of what of, yep. of what it is of having a family and and trying yeah. to do things correctly well and those little things like those little things like bringing the Easter eggs and all that like those probably were good anchors at first you were traveling so much and so they yes. were probably good just kind of like regrounding recentering anchors for your family I would imagine. Exactly, because yeah. in football, it's a little bit different. We have Tuesday as our day off. And on my day off of Tuesday, well, actually, Monday is kind of Tuesday. Monday's kind of a little day off. But it's like a half a day. Uh-huh. Tuesday is a definite day off. On every Tuesday, I was at their school doing something in the classroom at, mm. every, at every level. Yep. At every level, I was there. Except yep. for high school, I was there. And then I became a coach, and I'm coaching my, my daughter and my son. My son oh, is cool. football and wrestling, and my daughter in track and field. Cool. Yeah, I love that. that. And that's just an intentional choice. So, yes. yep. Um, what's your go-to self-care now as a retired golf. old man? Golf, golf? And saxophone. <laughs> saxophone, that's right. I forgot that about you. Yeah. Yes. So I was playing my saxophone the other day. I was, uh, I put on some like backtracking music. It was like Georgia on my mind. Summertime. Yes. And it, and I've been trying to be a little bit more improvisational, so I just grabbed my horn, put on some music, and then just started playing. Just started uh, playing alongside of it and going, okay, and just trying to catch whether it was a pentatonic scale, what what the scale ooh, was, blues yes. scale, whatever it was, and just trying to go ahead and whatever it sound like to emulate some yes. of my favorites, Gerald Albright, Mindy A. Bear. Yes. Um, I, I got a teacher named Scott Paddock. He's online. Uh, another guy uh, named... Um, you know, it's called Better Sax, Jay Metcalf. I follow okay. these guys online, and, and I take lessons from them, and it's only my deal. It's like I play golf, yes. and I get to go ahead and play saxophone. Oh, that's so good. good. That's I'm so good. good. You know that I'm from Pinehurst. Have you ever played golf in Pinehurst? Oh, you know that's right. Pinehurst number two, baby. Yes, I, I do. Yes. I, I'm a big golf nut. I, it's the toughest sport. You can't beat it. You can it only, is. You can only hope to go ahead and, and take it out for a date. It like yeah, you. that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That is so right. Um, okay, so sunrise or sunset, w- w- and why? I like the sunrise 
up in the morning because it's the start of a new day. Yeah. Lessons on the field and in life. There's such a parallel sometimes, huh? Okay. This, I, I think your, your people will love this. I, I tell this story all the time. So everybody, <laughs> if your people don't know who Bo Jackson is, let me tell you who Bo Jackson is. Bo <laughs> Hit Jackson him with it. played football back in the day. He was about 6'2 and a half, 6'3". 240. He ran a 4.18. He was the best running back during the time, 87 on up. He ended up breaking his hip. Well, we're playing in Seattle. I'm in the Kingdom in Seattle. And Bo Jackson, we're playing against the Raiders. He's with the Raiders. Another game to Marcus Allen. He's a, the other top back, both of whom are in the, in the, in the NFL Hall of Fame. Mm. So Bo Jackson gets the ball. He's running, and Marcus Allen is blocking for him. Marcus <laughs> Allen gets ready to block me. I grab Marcus Allen. Boom. I throw him down to the ground. I was like, oh, man, I got Marcus on the ground. I was so excited because Marcus is one of my favorite players. I look up. I see Bo Jackson, all 6'2 of him, uh. 240, running full speed at me. I'm like, oh, my oh. goodness, what am I going to do? I try to pull Marcus Allen back up off the ground so he could take the hit. But he wouldn't oh. get up. Now, so to do a tackle in the National Football League is called same foot, same shoulder. So I knew that I had to go ahead and go same foot, same shoulder. So I moved Marcus out the way. I said, okay, hit him, same foot, same shoulder. As I began to get same foot, same shoulder, he got the same foot, same shoulder Ooh. before I did. This dude hit me so hard. Oh. It's in the kingdom. Now, this is what I remember. Oh, this, gosh. His, my chest caved around his, his knee. Ooh. I can hear Ooh. this thump going like this. No. I'm going, what is that? That was the back of my head hitting the AstroTurf in the kingdom as he was dragging me down the field. And all I could do is think about it. I was like, oh, Mark, I mean, uh, Bo, just fall down, fall down. He falls down, and it completely gets dark. So it gets dark. I get up. I have to turn my helmet from the side because he knocked my helmet sideways, and I was seeing out the darkness of my helmet. No. So now i got to knock my helmet off. And then as I look at my leg, the skin from my knee down Ooh. to my ankle is gone. It's like a big strawberry. It's Ugh. all white. Ugh. It's all pink and white. Ugh. I'm like, oh, my goodness. He ripped the skin off my, off, off, off my leg. And so as I'm going back to the huddle, dudes are laughing. And in the kingdom, people are going, boo, Robinson, you suck. Boo. They're booing me. I'm in the same kingdom. This is my home team. They're right. booing me. Oh, no. I get, I get back to the huddle. I'm embarrassed. I'm hurt. I wanted to cry, and I wanted to leave. Yeah. And I can't. Three plays later, he gets the ball. I said, look, I don't care what happens. I'm going to hit this dude as much as I can. I'm going to run at him. I hit him on the sideline. He falls backwards. I fall the other way. No big deal. However, I learned that day, when you get knocked down, mm. now you got to hear me on this one. I'm a mm. coach at heart. Mm. You got to hear this one. You're going to always get – there's going to be something that you're going to have to combat and fight. There's always going to be some adversity. There's always going to be something that you got to climb, that you got to get over. There's always something like that. You mm -hmm. could kind of capitulate and go acquiesce and go like this, I don't want to be here. Well, I don't want to be here either. Mm -hmm. well, I feel ashamed. Well, I'm full of shame too. What? I'm, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I had to do the mandates of football. God allowed me to play football. The mandate is to listen to your coach, make the tackle that you can, so go out there and do the best you can. So I'm like, I don't mm -hmm. care what happens. I'm going to do the best I can. So that day when I hit Mar uh, Bo Jackson after he drugged me, it was life-changing. It was a day I got up off the ground and I got my butt back up mm. and I did the mandates of my job required. 
Mm. Even though it didn't look like as great and spectacular as everybody would like it to look, I don't care what it looks like. I don't Mm. care what it smells like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it tastes like. I know for me that was a changing day and making that tackle right there. And I can see him right now on the left of his side. Mm. Making that tackle was one of the best things I could ever have done because it changed me. Now, when I faced major adversity in my life, major adversity when I got arrested, major adversity. Yep. I remember, get yourself back up. Mm. Don't look like what it looks like. Don't look like what it tastes like. I don't yeah. care what it sounds like. Gene, pick yourself up off the ground. Get yourself back up. Get mm. yourself back up. Get yourself back up. And I mm. said, God, if you give me the breath in my body to get up, I will get up off this ground and I will move forward in a different direction. And I will do the mandates or whatever the mandate requires. Right. Whether that's the mandates of God or whether that's the mandate of football. Mm. So that day, back in 1987, Bo Jackson taught me a major lesson. Whoa. When you get hurt, you get back get up. up. Mm. There's no shame in getting hurt. That's just occupational hazard. That's just what we that's what we sign up for as humans. In this world you have much tribulation, that's part of the deal. That's part of the deal. Get yourself back up. I've taught that lesson to everyone I've gone, everyone I know, and that's the transparency in me. And I don't care what it looks like or sounds like or what yes. you think. I'm gonna get up and do what I can. Ooh. I can't. I mean, I'm not going to follow that with anything. Preach. I, I'm going to get up and I'm just going to get yes. up. And, and, and I'm telling you, Julia, I've always, I've always, I've have always done that. Yeah. I've always, I've always done that. And so. Well, that's resiliency. That is resiliency too. Like, I believe that I will get back up. I believe that I can get back up. It may be hard. It may look ugly. I may stumble, but I'm going to do it. Yep. And I may be ridiculed. Yep. And look, I, I, I remember like the dark times of my life when people are like, oh man, this guy, you know, social media and they let me blast me having it. I'm like, I get it. I understand. I, yep. I totally get when people, you let people down and people, you know, they live vicariously through you and it affects them and it affects you. So I yep. totally get it. But even in that, I cannot allow myself to take a back seat or not to right. move forward. I, right. I refuse not I refuse not to go ahead and move forward. And I don't right. care. And I told my daughter, I told my son, look, you're gonna have some stuff that's gonna happen maybe in your marriage or maybe in your job or maybe on work or maybe in your relationships with friends. Do. Extend the olive branch out, get up, do the yep. best that you can. Get up. Well, because you then you realize you've got <laughs> Yep, you've got more agency to control the narrative, your own narrative, your own story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to let you I, control it. I'm going to yes. do it. Yeah. I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm always interviewing you and it's for the Charlotte today, but I've seen this format, what you've done. I've seen this with uh, some of the people that was come on our show that you interviewed. And when you mm-hmm. asked me to do it, I was like this. Absolutely. Because not only that you do good work, you're helping people. The people who tune in are getting help. And they don't I even know so. they're getting help. They're looking at a show, so. but they're getting help. And so I, I would so. be, I'm, it's more than, I'm more than happy to join you and, uh, and you. To help out and do my, whatever I can. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I, I hope you're right. Yeah, they listen. They're like, look at Eugene being transparent. You know, I can get back up. That's it. That's what it's all about. Yep. Hey, all right. You can go get back on the road now. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate you. In this episode, we talk about being the adult child of an alcoholic. Please see the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration website for services related to this. We also talk a lot about forgiveness and resiliency. 
And forgiveness is so much about letting go of that resentment for our own sakes. Forgiveness doesn't mean letting the offender off the hook or or even reconciling with them. It's finding our own growth and healing in the experience so that we can move forward and learn to carry the experience differently. As far as resiliency, we also can learn to change the narrative around it. We can learn to face our fears, build mindfulness skills, and build our self-compassion. When we can change and develop a kinder attitude towards ourselves, we're much more resilient. So try this today. Put your hands on your heart and just say something like, may I accept myself as I am. May I trust that I can learn to get back up. So who you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy. Therapy.